Welcome to Political as Heck, a depressing episode, Todd. Good evening, Corey. I'm also disappointed, a little sad and depressed. Yes. So let's walk through some of the election results. Let's start with the bright side, which is here in Utah. There was some some big bright side. So Senator Mike Lee is leading Evan McMullen 54-41, roughly, right about there, about 13 points, with 27% still need to be counted. Let's stop right there. Yeah, this please tell me why. Five days ago, why do we have 27% of the votes uncounted? That's insane. I think most of those uncounted votes are Salt Lake County. The, the media was fawning all over Sherry Swenson because this is their last election, and I say good riddance. I mean, Florida can count all the votes the night of, and and Utah needs two weeks. I just don't understand. It's really it's really disappointing, and you know, thank goodness we don't have national media attention on us right now. Right? Yeah, I mean, at least we called the race. You know, the race was called on Tuesday night, so that helped. Yeah, but if this had been you know down to the wire and we had national attention, it would be kind of embarrassing. So, hope we can improve upon that. But in any case, uh, Lee. Race was called within a couple hours, and he's going to win big. And I know you uh, were diving through some of the statistics here, and I think it'd be worth sharing with all of us. You know, I have too, and there's definitely there's definitely a difference. McMullen definitely kept it closer, although it was still a blowout <clears throat> by any you know normal election standard. But there, when compared to other statewide races like Marlow Oaks, it was. There was definitely some differences. You want to yeah. So so Marlo Oaks, for those of you that don't recognize his name, he's our new state state treasurer. He was appointed by the governor last year uh, when there was a vacancy created um, by the resignation of David Damshin. And the reason we're talking about Marlo Oaks is because other than Mike Lee, Marlo Oaks was the only other wide state only other statewide election. Um, on the ballot last week. And he also, like Mike Lee, did not have a Democrat. Now, you know, even though Evan McMullen ran as as an independent, he was endorsed by the Democratic Party. So Marlowe didn't have as strong of an opponent as Mike Lee did. But there's two interesting things. Number one, there's 80,000 people that voted in the Senate race that didn't vote in the in the treasurer's race. Um, And and that tells me that you know, and that, by the way, that's, you know, that's, that's not insignificant. That's going to be over 5% of the vote when they're all counted. So that tells me that there was a certain percentage of voters who probably only voted for the U.S. Senate race. And, and, and that's all they did. Or they're just like, I don't know any of these candidates for treasurer. So I'm just going to skip it. Number two, Marlo Oaks was able, I mean, all of the votes from Mike Lee are not counted, but it looks to me like when they are, I'm just projecting right now, Marlo Oaks has 165,000 more votes than Mike Lee, and Mike Lee will probably pick up another 10 to 20,000, but Mike Lee's not going to pick up another 165,000. So um, so my question to you, Corey, is if a Republican votes for Marlo Oaks and then doesn't vote for Mike Lee, does that is that Republican voting for Evan McMullen. Can, can we can we use those two races to try to figure out how many Republicans voted for Evan McMullen? Because otherwise, I don't think we can tell for sure. Yeah, I mean, it really implies at the very least that you had voters who either probably either they voted for McMullen or they just decided I'm not going to vote for either. I'm not going to vote for you know anybody 
or try to throw their vote somewhere else. Well, and so. here's the thing. If they're informed enough to vote in the treasurer's race, I, I'm going to say that they're not necessarily a low information voter. But I, I think what you're saying is they may be a Republican voter, but they don't love Mike Lee, but they weren't willing to go to Evan McMullen. So they just left that one. Play. Well, I th- what, this is what I actually think is that you're talking about two different populations. I'll bet most of the, the folks who ended up not voting in the treasurer race were Democrats who didn't see a Democrat. Yeah. So they didn't vote. And you may be right. And then in the other race, you were taught the people who didn't vote were probably Republicans who decided they didn't want to vote for Mike Lee and they didn't want to vote for McMullen either. So they just skipped. Or, or maybe some of them voted for McMullen and didn't yeah, vote. Yeah, some of them voted for McMullen, yeah. But, I mean, there's definitely a discrepancy there. And clearly, you know, there wasn't a Democrat. That's true. There is some takeaways. Mike Lee looks like he's going to win by 13, 14 points. It could be a little less than that. And Marlo Oaks right now is leading all other people by 50. If you add them all together, he's still up by 50 points. Yeah. And and let me tell you one of the statistics that will blow some people's minds, and then I'll explain it. So right now, and again, we're still counting votes, but right now, Mike Lee uh, in in a midterm election in 2022 has 165,000 less votes than Mitt Romney received in a midterm election uh, in 2018. So this is midterm to midterm. It's not general to general. And does that mean that uh, uh, Mitt Romney's more popular than Mike Lee? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't jump to that conclusion. And here's why: uh, First of all, Evan McMullen was drawing from Democrats and independents and some moderate Republicans. And second of all, and this is the most important factor: 2018 was an abnormal midterm election. It had a very high voter turnout. Why was it because of Mitt Romney? No, it was because of medical marijuana. <laughs> Medicaid expansion and um, independent redistricting commission. So a lot of Democrats, liberals, they voted because they wanted medical marijuana. A lot of uh, conservatives voted because they didn't want medical marijuana or they didn't want Medicaid expansion. So it brought out uh, voters on both sides of the aisle and uh, many of them voted for Mitt Romney while they were there. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it looks like the voter turnout in Utah is around 45%, could be a little bit higher. Um, when it's finally counted nationwide, we don't know yet, but it seems like it's over 50% nationwide. So it could be and as it may as... end up over 50% when Salt Lake County decides to count other ballots. Yeah. And so maybe it'll be similar because Evan McMullen's winning, winning over Mike um, Lee pretty handily in Salt Lake County. Mike Lee's 54% may drop to 53 or 52 by the time all the votes are counted. Yeah. But it, it's not going to he's not going to lose, but but he may not hold on to that 54 percent margin. All right. Should we talk about uh, a few of the state legislature races before, so, though, we, we have to jump back to July 4th because because oh, uh, let's let's we'll do our predictions. In OK, just a minute. let's okay. let's look. Let's look back at our legislative predictions. races. Um, yeah. All of the incumbents on the ballot won except for two. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and I, and these are two of the races I highlighted last week. So Elizabeth Waite, who's a Democrat in the house in Salt Lake County and Claire Collard, who's a Democrat in the house in Salt Lake County are both losing. And I'm going to call those races. I just don't think there's enough votes, um, left, uh, because they, they've been trending losing since Tuesday night. And so it looks like the Republicans will pick up those two seats and the Republicans are picking up a third seat because um, Suzanne Harrison's district was dissolved and then a new district was created in Eagle Mountain, which has also been won by a Republican. And that's a pretty 
common redistricting. Some of the media went after uh, the, the legislature this week. Oh, look what they did to Suzanne Harrison. Well, here's the fun thing. All three independent redistricting maps also does, uh, combined uh -huh. Susan Harrison <laughs> into, um, into Jeff Stinquist district, which she could have run for, but she chose not to. And she's winning her Salt Lake County um, council race against long-term long Republican incumbent Richard Snowgrove. But the reason why we needed a new district in the Eagle Mountain Lehigh area is because that's the fastest growing area of the state. And so it was impossible for those, not impossible, but uh, impractical for those districts surrounding Lehigh Eagle Mountain just to absorb, you know, an extra, you know, you know 50,000 people or so. Because the House District's usually only about 40,000 people. And we also, it looks like Trevor Lee is going to hold on to win against Handy. So that's one more uh, incumbent, although not losing to a Democrat. But he's up by 13 right now against uh, Representative Handy's write-in campaign. Yeah, and and let's just say, uh, you know, I I said the safe money. If I was a betting man, I'd, I'd bet on Trevor Lee last week, and and that's why it's because it's really hard to win a write-in. But Steve Handy received over four thousand write-in votes. Um, he got a, he ends up with about thirty four, thirty five percent of the vote, which you know I've in my lifetime I've never seen a write-in campaign in Utah that I've been uh, tracking that 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 was that high. Um, and yet it wasn't high enough. Um, so the libertarian in that race, who was the only the second name printed on the ballot, got about 16 percent, not because he was a great candidate, because I think a lot of people who voted against Trevor Lee, that instead of writing in a name, they just voted for the other guy on the ballot. Mm -hmm. So Trevor Lee is going to end up with about 49 percent. Right now, he does not have a majority of the vote. So, But he's most likely going to be the uh, representative. From oh, yeah, he's yeah, because he's at 49. Handy's at 34. And uh, the Libertarian candidates at 16. So it's not even close. Um, Trevor Lee has clearly won that race. And one more funny quirk for, for State House Joel Ferry did win resoundingly. Well, 80% <laughs> of the vote. So even though he resigned. And so uh, I'm sure I'm sure Democrats are. Um... And he's expected to resign again, but he might he might surprise us all and say, you know what, this this cabinet position stinks. I want my seat in the House back. <laughs> I doubt it since that's a full time job. But in any event. All right, so some county races. You already talked about Suzanne Harrison is is probably going to pull it out over over Richard Snellgrove. I wouldn't say probably. She has an insurmountable lead. She's she she's won that race. I'll, I I'm willing to call that race if nobody else has. Okay. So also in Salt Lake County, you have Sam Gill. Unfortunately, is going to stay the D, the district attorney. Uh, Lanny Chapman is uh, going to be the new uh, clerk, and hopefully, she can count a lot faster than you know, and the, the sheriff she works there <laughs> rosie rivera was reelected. so all of our countywide republican candidates a hundred percent of them lost which is really interesting and i think uh the salt lake county republican party hopefully is going to do a deep dive assessment because um i mean we picked up two house seats I think that's largely due to redistricting although maybe salt lake county republican officials want to take credit for those um, but in a year that should have been a depressed year for we Democrats, I mean, Biden's at 42 percent approval rating. They didn't have a statewide candidate for U.S. Senate, which which affects their get out the vote campaign. Uh, there should have been you know, we were told there was an enthusiasm gap. And yet Democrats didn't didn't only hold their countywide seats. They actually picked up one with Suzanne Harrison. So a pretty other than the two House seats, a pretty 
um, disappointing loss for Republicans in Salt Lake County. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little Utah County, and then you can tell us about Davis. But um, a couple interesting things: the Orem School District was uh, voting to to pull away from Alpine School District, create their own. I think that was a big deal for Utah County. That got crushed <laughs> by 43 points, and I think rightly so. Uh, the school bonds also lost. That was something that was important to you know kind of us. But and then uh, and then one interesting school board race. Joylyn Lincoln looks like she's going to beat uh, Wendy Wrencher, although that is not, you know, finalized yet. And so that, that's kind of a big one because that one went to a lot of the school questions that, um, you know, we've been debating these, these, this past year or so. Anything interesting yeah. from Davis? Yeah. So Melissa Ballard was one of the only Republicans in Davis County to be challenged by a Democrat. She won um, with 61% of the vote over Phil Graves, who got 33%. And then there was a Libertarian candidate who got 6%. We did have a bond, a school bond on the ballot in Davis County that passed with about 54% of the vote. And, um, you know, I voted for it uh, because we have some schools that are filled with asbestos and surrounded by, you know, the, what do they call them, the little uh, portables outside. And so I, I'm convinced we do need to invest in our schools. But he, here's here's what I want to point out. Um, when the bonds when the bonds get started, they say, hey, this is going to be so much a month only for 10 years and then it goes away. And then as soon as it's ready to go away, they always replace it with another bond. And that's what happened here. So the school district was out there saying, hey, if you vote for this, it will not result in a tax increase, which was true. But it also would not result in a tax decrease because the old bond was set to expire. And so um, and I, you know, I'm old enough now, Corey, that I've seen like we did the same thing with the rec center. We built this fabulous rec center in, um, in, in, in Bountiful. But as soon as that bond is about to expire, they want to. Well, now we need to improve the rec center. And, and they, so, so the lesson here is once something gets on the ballot, then the inertia, you know, they're always going to try to keep that tax increase forever. But but you do get to vote on it every 10 or 20 years when it's supposed to expire. But I'm not saying it's a bad thing it passed. Um, I'm just saying from a broader perspective, a lot of these are sold as, oh, this is just a one-time thing, but then they always come back and want to continue it. Totally. And that's exactly what happened here in in Utah County. And I'll tell you, Todd, I have voted no on every single tax proposition citizens initiative my entire life until now i voted yes on this <laughs> now everything you just said is true and it's and it, it applies here in utah county as well in alpine school district but we have so many kids and not enough schools yeah. that's the deal well and and we you and i talked about this before but the reason that orem wanted to break off from the school district is because they kind of have an aging population and yeah. so the rest of the county has paid for all of their kids to be educated. Now they don't want to kick in for everybody else's kids to be educated. So I'm kind of glad that that one went down. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, the ballot proposition also lost. Anything you want to say about that? Yeah. So um, this was one I didn't really care about either way. I voted for it ultimately because I knew if it went down, people would say, ah, the voters don't trust the legislature. And that's exactly what people are saying now. But here's the thing. It was a poorly, poorly worded 
um, amendment to the Constitution. There was no for or against argument included in the in the online pamphlet. So shame on the legislature. I mean, we don't have a big marketing budget where we could run commercials and stuff. But you know, um, the you know the, the forces behind this should have at least written an explanation of why you should vote for this. So that that was left empty. So somebody dropped the ball there. Um, number two, you know, I had people. I had two dozen people contact me and say, Todd, I've read this two or three times, I don't understand it. And yeah. I think the lesson here is not so much that people don't trust the legislature. I think the lesson here is if people don't understand it, it's easier to vote no than to vote yes. And I think yeah. this was, it was somewhat incomprehensible. I mean, as you know, I checked in with you to make sure yeah. that I really had a grasp on it. And I probably told you, I probably told everybody, I don't really care if this passes or fails, but here's <laughs> what it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Let's talk about national election takeaways and then we'll size up our predictions. So um, it looks like, first of all, Democrats are going to keep the majority in the Senate. And it's it's a 50-50 proposition whether they're going to gain a seat or not. And that's oh, because yeah. of the Georgia runoff. These are, these are really hard to handicap, um, but it's just really frustrating. So essentially, Republicans lose Pennsylvania. And if... Democrats hold on and keep Georgia, then the only change is Republicans losing Pennsylvania. That was a retirement, Pat Toomey. And remember, the candidates were Mehmet Oz for Republicans, a Trump chosen candidate. And then John Fetterman, who, you know, we've talked about on this podcast, um, you know, feel sorry for him, really do honestly, genuinely feel for him and his uh, medical condition. But his medical condition is such that he's just not in any way He's just not in any way in a position to serve in that role. I mean, he was not, and, but at least it lost. So. And remember, Dr. Oz won his Republican primary by just like 200 votes. I, I mean, I, I'm not giving exact, but a very slim margin. Had Trump stayed out of that race, probably the stronger candidate would have won that Republican primary and may very well um, have performed better. I mean, Mehmet Oz has lived in New Jersey up until about two years ago. <laughs> And um, he, yeah. he's a flawed candidate in many ways. So, I mean, it's kind of like if someone just came in from California and ran in Utah, which yeah. kind of did happen with yeah. uh, Evan McMullen. I don't know where he actually lives, but not yeah. in Yeah, we, we actually had a congressional candidate that really didn't live in Utah either, but he lost. So. <laughs> All right. So, uh, and it, so the Senate is, is lost. The House is still up in the air, but it does look like Republicans will will most likely take the house there's a lot of uh, count vote counts uh left for us here but uh, there's about probably. 20 races that are still too close to call but the republicans are leading in 11 of those and they only need to pick up seven of them to get the majority so i i feel fairly confident in saying the republicans will win the house um, which is huge because that means nancy pelosi won't be speaker but we're only going to have probably a one to three maybe four um yeah. majority the democrats have only had five which is a problem because some of those republicans are so moderate that they'll vote with the democrats on some issues but um but the bigger disappointment is we you know i was expecting last week i was saying a plus 30 and you were saying a plus 15 um th this you know republican candidates for governor for senate for house across the nation underperformed yeah and, and we need to talk about that yeah, so it looks like uh, Republicans will pick up probably eight to nine seats. 
but really, so I, I think what we, if we step back, basically, if we take the House, it's because of redistricting in Florida under DeSantis and in New York, because they're, they, they had an independent commission uh, ended up stepping in because the Democrats uh, had, had gerrymandered it too much. But they also that, had Zeldin. Zeldin kind of lift was the rising tide that lifted all boats. He lost, but I think two of those four seats that we picked up in New York were probably because of Zeldin. Yeah, I think that I think you're right that that did definitely play a role. It's definitely true also, though, that uh, had had Democrats been able to keep their New York map, like we'd probably be saying, I don't know who's going to win the majority here. Yeah, um, no, we would have probably lost it because we're picking up four seats in New York, and I think yeah. we'll win the House by three. Yeah, picking up four in Florida and four in New York. I mean, that's basically the the pickups. So yeah, um, and then when it came in, in our Senate races, I mean a lot of them were not that close. I mean, Fetterman in Pennsylvania ended up winning by five. Kelly ends up winning by five in Arizona. Hassan ends up winning by nine. And, and the polling, I mean, at some point there's got to be at this, at this stage, I think I've lost all faith in polls because maybe directionally they were somewhat okay. But in terms of like, I mean, the Hassan race was within a couple of points. I mean, the Kelly race was in with, within like a point or two the entire time, Fetterman too, and ended up getting like wins that weren't that tough to to distinguish. So, Well, let me just launch into this. First of all, all of the pollsters undersampled the 18 to 35 vote. And let me just tell you how disappointed I am. The Biden student loan forgiveness strategy worked. Um, these kids think that their student loans are going to get, you know, written, you know, wiped off by the government. And, and let me just tell you why I'm disappointed with that. The Biden administration knew that this plan was unconstitutional when they announced it. Nancy Pelosi said last year, you know, the president doesn't have the authority to do this. They did it anyway. They tricked a bunch of kids into thinking that their student loans are going away. Now the federal courts have enjoined it. They've stopped taking applications for student loan forgiveness. This was nothing but an election ploy. And I'm kind of ticked off that it worked because one of the reasons why the polls were wrong is because a lot of these young people who have student loan debt went out and voted uh, Democrat because they thought that their student loans were going to be forgiven. And I'll predict right now the courts are going to say this is unconstitutional and, and con a divided Congress is not going to do this. Um, that worked. The abortion scare tactics worked. And I think the independence, the Dobbs decision did drive them to the polls and did drive them to vote Democrat. And I'll say number three, this whole threat to democracy and the January 6th hearings, I didn't think it was working, but it worked better than I thought it would, at least with the independence. And I'll say number four, I don't think the Republicans had a message except we don't like Joe Biden, uh, we hate Joe Biden, and we don't like infl inflation. But the Republicans weren't doing a good job of saying what they would do differently if they took over. That's my yeah, yeah, those those all could be. I mean, definitely, it's definitely true that the the youth vote was much, or the young people vote was much higher than anyone expected. And there's a there's a couple other thoughts that I'd like to you know observations to to think through for 2024 and how this was affected. But real quick, we promised that we would size up our predictions. Okay. So over the summer, I said, I said, I put the over under at 55, and I said I think he'll get. I think Lee will get higher than 55. It looks like he's probably going to get 54, 53. So uh, you took the under. 
So you were right there. But the final prediction that I made was 54-41, which is exactly where we're sitting right now. <laughs> yeah, that was your final prediction. And like I said, you know, so Mike Lee's at 54.66 right now, which rounds up to 55. I took the under if I, I said if I can include 55, I'll take the under. I think Mike Lee ends up at 53, maybe 52 when all the Salt Lake County votes are voted. And I said last week, I said, if Evan McMullen ends under 40 percent, this is an unmitigated disaster for the Democrats. Right now, he's at 41.61 percent. He may end up at 43 percent. So this is just a mitigated disaster for for the Democrats. It's not unmitigated. And why do I say that? They took this huge risk. I really think so. This was a brainchild of Ben McAdams. He got County Mayor Jenny Wilson from Salt Lake County on board. But I really think um, Ben McAdams was somewhat testing the waters. Oh, yeah. If this is something he could do in the future. If yeah. he could run as an independent and draw moderate Republicans. And, you know, I've worked with Ben McAdams in the same law firm. He's a great guy. He's a, a brilliant guy. Um, and he's a dyed in the wool, true Democrat, but he really, really, really wants to get back into uh, statewide elected office in Congress or Senate. And I would have to say, Corey, um, I think Kale Weston would have pulled 31 to 33 percent of the vote. Evan McMullen got 41 to 43. So, so this this was a net gain of 10 percent for them. Um, but it, it wasn't enough. And um, I don't think it'll be enough you know, two years, four years, six years from now, maybe 30 years from now it would be. But I think this was a unmitigated, well, it was a mitigated failure for the Democrats because they they kicked their own candidate to the curb and they still lost by a wide margin. When you win an election by 10 to 13%, that's a blowout. You know, that's like yeah. losing a football game by two touchdowns. It's not, it's not. Yeah, like it's, st a, it's still a blowout. Game. And I think that the candidate matters too, because there are, I mean, Mike Lee has been associated with uh, with President Trump and, and the 2020 election situation and the whole thing. It's hard for me to identify another candidate in Utah that if, if you're going to go statewide, that he could, he being Ben McAdams, could to turn around. I mean, he, obviously that this approach is not going to win against Romney. No, it's not going to win against Governor Cox. So, no. you know, where does he go with it? Here's what to watch for. A lot of people have said oh, well, what if Evan McMullen comes back in two years and runs against Romney? Well, first of all, he's not going to. He volunteered on Romney's campaign back in 2012. Romney and him are friends, which is why Romney didn't endorse Mike Lee. But if Romney, you know, his Romney's, you know, not getting younger, his wife has MS. If Romney says, hey, it was really fun to be in the U.S. Senate. It was a lifelong dream. I'm done. You know, one term is enough. If Romney bows out and Evan McMullen runs in 20, um 24, he will probably, I hate to say it, but he'll probably be one of the leading candidates, especially if the Democrats step aside or, or you know, kick their own candidate to the curb again. You mean one of the leading candidates for Democrats? No, one of the leading candidates for the November election, however he runs. Well, let's definitely return and talk about that again, because uh, I'm surprised that you are as bullish on him. I think his career in Utah is done. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I think he's toast. I, I think as a Republican, it is, it is, but it just depends on the dynamics. So, yeah. Let's talk about some observations real quick um, to, to wrap us up here. You, you, there, there's a, there's certainly a lot of blame to go around. Uh, but I, I, I just want to say, I, I feel kind of disappointed in, in president Trump in this situation. He had uh he had a hundred million dollars and he only spent about 14 million to help candidates that he recruited that he recruited. Um, 
you know, compare that to Mitch McConnell, who I know many of you don't like at all. But McConnell, to his credit, better or worse, he raised and spent $241 million. $241 million versus President Trump only spent $14 million. I mean, that's quite a difference. And, uh, for example, President Trump, he had a joint fundraising site with Blake McMasters, the Senate candidate in Arizona. But for every dollar that was donated to that fundraising campaign, one penny went to Blake McMaster's and 99 cents went to Trump, 99 to one. So basically it was a, a fundraiser for Trump. He basically didn't give it hardly any money to candidates. Um, his picks, uh, we talked about Mehmet Oz. That was his pick in Pennsylvania. He lost Bulldog in New Hampshire got destroyed by nine points. That's a race, Todd, that we should have won. That is not a nine-point loss race. Hassan was the probably the top. She and Cortez Masto were the, the, at the very top of, of uh, Republican um, pickup opportunities, and we just got destroyed because the candidate was terrible. Blake McMaster's in Arizona. Herschel Walker, you know, it looks like he's probably going to lose. J.D. Vance in Ohio ends up winning by six in a state where at the same time, the Ohio Republican governor wins by 25. And Brian so, Kemp won by eight. And Brian <laughs> Kemp, so, exactly, won by yeah. eight in, in Georgia. Georgia. So, so Walker is probably going to lose while the governor, who you know, very publicly fought with Trump, he, he ends up um, winning and by seven, eight points. Didn't, didn't Trump against, endorse J.D. Vance and his Republican opponent? Didn't he come out and endorse both of them at the end? He did. Yeah, he did. But it, it was kind of like, but just kind of weird. Yes, like. That's true. But that but Vance was his guy, though. Like, but it is true. He, he ended up endorsing both. But but Vance was kind of well known as to be his guy. And Vance basically changed his personality to um, to fit in with uh, with what you know Trump wanted and needed. So it'll be interesting to see if Vance behaves that way when he's actually in the Senate. I, I tend to think he, he probably reverts to, you know, J.D. Vance 1, 1. 1.0, but but we'll see. In any case, at the same time, President Trump, he he really trashed our Republican candidate in, in Colorado. O'Day. O'Day, you know, because O'Day was not necessarily a Trump guy, but it was a, it was a race that was would have been tough, uh, but it was definitely, you know, winnable. It was definitely a possibility. So President Trump, he endorsed four Republicans for secretary of state positions in the general election. All four of them lost. Um, Democrats spent mon money bolstering Trump uh, picked candidates. Remember this? Bulldog yes. was one of them in uh, in New Hampshire, Meyer in Michigan, four others. Governor Master, uh, the gubernatorial candidate, Republican uh, Don Mastriano in uh, sorry, Doug Mastriano in, in Pennsylvania. And they all lost. So when you see Democrats spending money to bolster Trump candidates in the GOP primary, it's almost like that's a sign that Democrat, you know, probably Democratic <laughs> uh, campaign people know what they're doing. And uh, and they they won. They rolled the dice on every one of those and they won on every one. So so Tr everyone associated with President Trump either lost or severely underperformed. And, and that includes Senator Mike Lee. Lauren Boebert, for example, very um very well known to be to be a you know Trump candidate, and she she's been in the Congress like two terms, and looks like she, she might she probably going to pull it out, but it's not a sure thing in Colorado. She's up by like one tenth of one percent. I think she wins. 
So we don't know though, you know, like, but, uh, but I guess the takeaway here though, at the same time, Ron DeSantis wins in a romp by 19 points in, in Florida. Let's not forget Florida is like, has been the swingiest of swing States. He DeSantis only won by a half a percent against uh, Gillum four years ago. And he won won Miami-Dade County. So that's just amazing. He won Hispanics. Yeah. He won Hispanics straight out. And like you said, he won Miami-Dade County straight out. That's huge. It's massive. And it's not because DeSantis doesn't have good policies like President Trump. I think it's because he has his own brand that's a little bit separate. And so for me to say all this, I, I think President Trump's policies were spectacular. I think that it's, they are right for the country. But I worry that uh, in the wake of this situation, we'll have plenty of opportunities to talk about this, but in the wake of 2022, it, basically anyone who was associated with President Trump, they underperformed or they lost. And that worries me a lot. Because I uh, just do not want to see President Biden get a second term in uh, <laughs> in 2024. Well, and remember, Scott, in, in 2020, two years ago, we did better than expected in the House. And that's one of the reasons why it was harder for us to pick up more now is because we picked up about eight seats that we weren't expecting necessarily two years ago. But the Senate, the only reason why the Senate's been tied the last two years at 50-50 is because Trump went into Georgia and told people not to vote because the election was rigged. So Trump, in my opinion, cost us control of the Senate two years ago. And I think he's cost us control of the Senate now with his, um, you know, all of his bad picks because Trump doesn't care about the best candidate. He cares about the Republican candidates who will bend the knee to him, who will say that the election was rigged, who will buy into the fact that he's, you know, really was elected president and and Biden somehow cheated. So the election conspiracies, which the independent voters hate, and uh, I'm not going to repeat everything else you said, although I agree with it. Here's here's the biggest problem with Trump, and and this is going to continue. But with the Herschel Walker runoff race in three weeks, Trump has said that he'll help Herschel, but only if DeSantis and Glenn Youngkin from Virginia stay out of it. And if uh, Glenn Youngkin and, and, and DeSantis and Brian Kemp want to help Herschel, then Trump will stay out of it. So it's not about let's all roll up our sleeves and get a Republican elected here. It's all about who will who will kiss, you know, who will kiss Trump's butt, uh, bend the knee, uh, say that Trump you know, is king of the party. And 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 I'm just so tired of this because I we need people who are willing to help Republicans get back control of Congress so we can write the country. I mean, he went out and told people do not vote for the Republican candidate in Georgia or in Colorado. And then when he lost, when O'Day lost, he celebrated that loss on Twitter. So I am just done with that attitude. I want to say, uh, President Trump, thank you for all the great things that you've done. He did, he was, he were did a lot of great things, President. but this, this, the latest antics, you know, from, from Jan, since he lost, until now, I, I'm just, uh, you know, he's not helping, he's hurting. He's he's become toxic for the Republican Party. All right, we're going we're gonna to talk about this over and over again over the next couple of years, I'm, I'm quite confident. But that's our election special. I'm depressed. I'm even more depressed after talking about this a few times. <laughs> All right, well, tune in next week. We'll have, we'll be talking turkey for Thanksgiving or something. Perfect. All right, see you next time. See you, Corey. Bye-bye.